We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. Uh, We have Nats postponements, maybe cancellations to discuss. Washington football team training camp to discuss. Aaron Rodgers is back. And the Olympics, Tommy, uh, carry on without me. I have not been paying attention (laughs) at all. Even the Simone Biles thing, like every single time there's another story and it seems it pops up, you know, uh, on, on, uh, on the internet, you know, whether it's ESPN.com or sportsline.com, CBS.com or on Twitter, I'm for whatever reason beyond that, not interested in it. Although I know you've been tweeting a lot about it. Yes. You've gotten into some Twitter um, discussions and debates with people, I believe. Somebody told me that anyway. Yes. Yes, that's true. And yesterday on the beach, you got you to understand, I mean, the, if, if soccer is the sport for people who don't like sports, well, Olympics <laughs> is really the sport yeah. for people who don't like sports. So I'm surrounded on the beach by you know my in-laws and family, none of which care diddly about sports. Right. But we got into this you know, ferocious argument about Simone Biles, and I tried to explain what we had talked about in the podcast earlier, that if this is going to be a new standard uh, for compassion in sports, then we need to extend it to the 24-year-old quarterback playing in the NFL Right. in a similar situation. You described it as the, as the just, new third rail in sports, I believe is what you said. Right, and they just didn't see the, they didn't see the similarity. And they just, look, Simone Biles was, was right to do what she did from all counts. I mean, this is a real gymnastics kind of issue. They call it the twisty. Yeah. There's been so many gymnasts that have said, you know, they've gone through this thing before. Uh, but but we we've canonized her. She's she's going to be more popular for not competing. Well, I think that first of all, I don't understand why anybody wouldn't see why in the comparisons to a twenty-four-year-old quarterback that decides, you know, prior to or maybe even in the middle of a playoff game. 
um, that he's got the mentals or he's got the yips. Um, you know, look, in, in the case of Simone Biles, based on what I've read, and I have not read a lot, you know, I, I'm actually, the Olympics are, are, are going on without me for the most part. Um, and But I did read the story written in the post by, I think it was Emily um, Giambal- Giambalvo. I think that's her name. I think yeah, she's the she one covers, that covers the Terps. She covers Maryland sports. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And she does a good job covering Maryland sports. And I did read, you know, essentially the twisties, which at first I sort of laughed, um, but it's equivalent to the yips in golf. The yes. big difference is you can't hurt yourself physically with the yips in golf. You can with the twisties yes. in gymnastics. So, you know, if this really was the issue, I, I certainly understand it. To your point, though, there's no reason why, you know, in a football game it couldn't be applied. That's a very dangerous endeavor, football. If you've got if you've got the yips, if you're not sure if there's a mental um, related issue, uh, anxiety issue over competing, um, and, you know, I, I would like to see what the reaction was. We've already talked about what the reaction would be. It wouldn't be the same, in my opinion. No. It, it would not be the no, same. It, but Because but by, at that point, you would have stripped away all the people who don't follow sports, and you'd be down to just your your fan base. And they're not going to have the same reaction that everybody is having about Simone Biles here. I mean, because we're dealing with we're dealing with people, and maybe we're de- we're in a, we're in an evolving society right now when it comes to the ethics of sports. But we're dealing with people who don't understand the concept pushing through something, uh, testing yourself in a sporting situation. I mean, I was on the beach with a bunch of people who just don't understand that concept. It's, it's impossible <laughs> to them. Well, yeah, because you know? because let's face it, um, you know, th- those that are following the Olympics and only follow the Olympics are not true sports fans or even, you know, right. this is a reach maybe. Maybe not even a, a real um, fan of competition. Maybe not even people who understand necessarily competition. Although I, I don't want to, I don't want to make that a blanket statement. But to to what you said, I, I do think the, you know the reaction to this, based on what I can see, um, I think a is specific to this kind of a sport um, where there are a lot of non-sports fans um, that follow it. Um, B, like I said the other day, um, th- the perception is, you know, a young female girl is more vulnerable um, than perhaps a 24-year-old, you know, NFL quarterback. Um, and I think the reaction from what I can tell is what you described. You know, it would appear as if, I don't want to say uh, that, that she wouldn't have gotten tremendous attention had she you know, blazed through these Olympics with, you know, four gold medals or whatever the possibility was for her in the events that she was um, competing in. Um, But it is very much, I think, part of the culture today uh, to, um, you know, it's part of the participation culture, Tommy, in in, in, in many ways, to glorify and to almost deify those um, that, that, you know, um, bow out for certain reasons. And it's not what yeah. we used to do, that's for sure. And maybe no. it's because we're more sensitive to this. And look, you and I have both dealt with, 
you know, p- uh, people in, in our lives that have dealt with mental health issues um, and lots of other things like addiction and, and those kinds of things that are real things. And I know lots of people who don't really understand they are real things. Now, with that said, I, I, I never really um, get the comparison of when somebody says, you know, mental uh, health, um, you know, in an athlete is no different than someone who breaks their leg and can't compete. Actually, it is because many of the mental health related uh, issues are very isolating, much more so than the physical are. And they become actually, in many ways, more dangerous. Um, uh, but anyway, I'm not going to go on and on about that. But I, I do agree with you. I think there is, you know, this idolizing um, that uh, I, we would not have seen even a few years ago. And I think part of the what I consider an overreact. Look again. Let me make it clear. I think she did the right thing. From all counts, she did the right thing. And her replacement in the uh, women's gymnastics singles uh, competition, Susina Lee, if I'm pronouncing that right, won the gold medal this morning. Okay. So, so, uh, so you know, I mean, she was kind of validated by letting her teammates step up. Well, they uh, lost. They lost the team like competition. I, I didn't. I'm yes, sorry. They, they, did. they didn't lose it. They they got silver. They didn't get gold. Right. And right. I think the thought was, had she been able to participate at full health, that they would have won gold. Yes, and I think part of what I think is an overreaction to uh, what she did is I think people automatically jumped to that mode for fear that she would be crucified for quitting. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, and, and I look, think it, it was like, let's stop this right now. Well, you know, yeah. Let's get in front of this and, and make sure no one accuses her of quitting because that's what we think we thought we just watched. And, and I think a lot of those people are incredibly self-indulgent. Um, I, I think that that is, you know, I think you need to, to be honest with you, I think you need to sit back and wait for the twisties um, a discussion and explanation. I said to you two days ago, I would like to know specifically what the mental health issue is, because if it's just about pressure and feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders, that's different from a legitimate mental health issue. Now, if you suffer major anxiety that turns into anxiety or panic attack disorder or whatever you want to go to, um, well, then that gets into something that can be very isolation-driven uh, and, and is tied to depression and lots of other things. I'm not trying to play psychiatrist here. I just have some experience with this um, you know, uh, over the course of my life with various people. So I, 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 the, the twisties, look... The bottom line is you wouldn't tell, you know, an X Games, you know, skateboard jumper if he's got the twisties or if he's got the yips to go ahead and and scoot down that, you know, uh, 75 foot ramp to do a double, you know, whatever in the middle of the air. But if he's just feeling the pressure of the event, well, we all feel pressure every day in our lives to perform, not at the level I'm saying, um, of, of some of these professional athletes or entertainers or politicians or whatever. But for those people, I am a big believer in the only way around it is through it and to face it and to learn how to face adversity. But this is not 
Um, this is not what she, based on all of the discussion of what she was suffering from, it's apples and oranges. She could have really hurt herself, potentially, yeah. had she yeah. gone through with it. But again, back to what you said at the beginning, there is sort of this, uh, I think you used the word canonizing, um, and I think a lot of those people are trying to get ahead of what they you know, were anticipating, which was much more criticism. And they wanted to drown that out. I think I think that's exactly what happened here. Now, I just want to point out that if you are a big Simone Biles fan, and why wouldn't you be? She's probably the greatest gymnast in the history of the United States. You'll probably be able to see her in the Gold Over America tour, which will be touring around the country following the Olympics at some point. And I think it will be coming to the Capital One Arena, I think. Okay. Well, you know, if you're, I don't, I'm not, are you going down the path of saying she's going to be on the cover of some magazine to deal with her, deal with the twisties? No, I'm just pointing out that the gold over America tour is going to be well, coming may, around, coming to your well, neighborhood soon, starring Simone Biles. Well, maybe, you know, um, maybe Rory McElroy can get the yips at the U.S. Open, but in a, in a, you know, in a charity event, wouldn't get the yips. Maybe she'll maybe. be fine for that. Also, I might want to point out, she, I mean, it's, again, this is something very specific, uh, what she went through. Right. Uh, you know, the, this whole idea, now, people have talked about the pressure on her, you know, and how the weight of the world, she even said, weight of the world felt like it was on her shoulders. She embraced that. She did an interview weeks ago with USA Today, who basically, she basically said, I'm the best there ever was. I mean, the facts prove it. I'm the greatest of all time. Well, she didn't have so the... she embraced it. She didn't have the twisties then. I know that. I'm saying, I mean, the pressure that people have brought up that she felt... Oh, right. ...about being yeah, the greatest. She, she, That's something she embraced. Yep. You know what? The great ones do. Yes. The, the great ones embrace it, welcome it, and then beat it down when in the biggest moments. Is I, that what you do? Try to every day on this podcast with you, but you get in the way of it sometimes. <laughs> I know. Um, can we move to the Nats real quickly about yeah, you know, sure? Because it's it's really been an incredible. Wait a minute before we get to the Nats. Yeah. Uh, You've been pretty busy lately, you know? I mean, I'm on vacation. I'm sick on I'm on, vacation. I'm on vacation starting today also. I had yeah, today off. Yeah, but your off. vacation is not like my vacation. Well, I mean, you know, I had today off, tomorrow off, and I have next week off of radio. Um, we'll take so you going somewhere? We'll take a couple of days off next beach? week in the podcast. And no, there's no um, actual vacation scheduled. As I've told you and others on this podcast that are listening, I am moving, and this is, we'll call it phase one of the move. Phase one of the move <laughs> means <laughs> means moving out of my house um, into a one-month furnished rental that allows pets and then into the new house because the new house is not ready for us to move in to quite yet. We thought we would be able to move right from our current house of the last many years into our new house 
Um, but no, that didn't work out that way. So phase one will be to move out of our house and move a lot of this stuff into the new house, which we will be able to do. We just won't be able to live in the new house for a while. And we will be um, renting a, uh, a furnished rental condo in downtown Bethesda, Tommy, which, by the way, my wife said to me, you know what's going to happen here, and I said, "Yes, I know exactly what's going to happen." She's like, "You're going to fall, fall in love with yeah, it. you're going to fall yeah. in love with this place and not going to want to leave." And yes, I have in recent years thought of low maintenance living as you know as a as a real fantasy. <laughs> like, like I'm looking forward <laughs> to just the month of being able to roll out, walk wherever I want to walk to. Um, be close to everything. Now, if the, the, if truth be told, I would think that you know at some point I will move into some sort of low maintenance living situation. But I would prefer to be downtown, not in you, mean you know like assisted like assisted living <laughs> well, or that's something like that. Yeah, that's true too. Um, hopefully, that's like two or three moves away. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it. it I don't know about you guys out there. I think moving's one of the worst things. And God bless my wife because she's really the one who is um, not only uh, you know a phenomenal real estate agent, but a great designer. And so we've done this before to houses, and we're doing this one. And so she's really spearheading the whole effort. But you know, I was told, I was told, you know, a couple of months ago, this is going to be the week end of this week and next week where we're moving into this new house, try to take those days off, which I did in advance. Um, and then I have more time to take off at the end of August. And I was thinking that would be the vacation time, but no, that'll be phase two of the move. So, okay. you know, no vacation. Um, I, Tommy, I have not been on a plane since February of 2020. Right before the shutdown, I was in Park City. Well, that was that 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 was the same with me. Yes, until, until I flew you out just to went. get my granddaughter. Right. Uh, about two weeks ago, I was. I and that's when I got sick flying. Do you, that's when you think you got sick. Have you yes. gotten Have you gotten tested for COVID since you got this cold? Yes, I did. And but you got that before. Now Negative. you're now your cold is worse. Yes, I can hear it. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I flew, my niece got married in Park City, Utah in February of 2020. Thank God if they, if that, if that wedding had been scheduled for a month later, I mean, no one would have been able to go. And I yeah. think I've told you this before, but when we got back from that wedding, my wife got very sick and, um, you know, we didn't think twice about it being COVID until a couple of months later. But um, about a month after we got back, the senior home, if you recall, in Seattle, New York City, and, believe it or not, Park City, Utah, were the first three major hotspots for COVID in this country. And Park City was because there was such an international, you know, um, international uh, audience, international crowd in, in Park City because of February, you know, skiing. And so right. um, there was a there was an outbreak there. Uh, and so I, I sort of feel like she got it at some point. We never did an antibody check. By the way, the, the news from the CDC yesterday, at least for now, we'll see if that changes next week, is that they are still recommending for those that got COVID and built up some antibodies that they should still get 
They should still get. Tommy's coughing. I just want everybody to know that that noise, which many of you think has been Tommy breaking wind on the air for the last uh, several podcasts, is him moving the mic all right, away from his uh, mouth so that he can cough rather than coughing into the mic. Um, but the CDC says that even if you got COVID and built up the antibodies, that they are not as long-lasting as the vaccine. So anyway, that is a perfect segue into the yes, Nats the, the Nats and the Phillies. Um, the Nats had uh, eight staffers, tw- I'm sorry, eight players, no, four players, eight staffers, 12 people total test positive for COVID-19, and apparently 11 of them had been vaccinated. So I was, th- you know, and, and many of them with the J&J vaccine, and if everybody's been following this, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is the one which with the much lower efficacy rate than the Moderna and the Pfizer shots, which are the two-shot uh, uh, vaccines. And the J&J is a convenient shot because it's just one, and apparently the preference of many athletes. But your chance with that particular shot is like one in four of still contracting COVID, not, you know, um, you know, uh, essentially one in 10 almost. Um, so I, um, I, I, I've come to a, a conclusion that I can be talked out of. The conclusion is this for these major sports mandate the vaccine. And if you're not going to mandate the vaccine, the vaccine, then don't test. And by the way, if you do mandate the vaccine, also don't test. The Nobody right now is getting sick, especially the players that were vaccinated and are getting COVID. What is the real threat right now? Well, there's a threat to Ron Rivera and people who are, you know, immune deficient. Um, and they need to be careful, you know. But I, I, either the leagues should mandate this vaccine, you get it, or you do not enter the building. Um, and if they do that, I think they should stop testing or just stop testing overall. All we're doing is we're postponing games, potentially canceling games, messing up the schedule of games, and nobody is getting ill. None of these players are getting ill now. None of them with this Delta variant, especially those that are vaccinated. Why are we testing? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't considered that or thought about it. So I'm not going to punch any holes into uh, your argument. You've obviously given this some I thought, more thought I than have, I have. I actually haven't given it a lot of thought. I was just thinking last night when, you know, it was like 11 of the 12 are already vaccinated. They got it. Um, you know, they, they got COVID. Every single player that's tested positive here recently in, in the athletic world, nobody's gotten sick. Most of, uh, of these players have been asymptomatic. And if they've been symptomatic, it's been minor, minor symptoms. And why are we putting the sports world on hold? And if there is a concern about continued spread and transmission, which there should be because apparently the Delta variant is even more transmissible, um, then mandate the freaking vaccine. Mandate it. Companies are doing it. Universities are doing it. You Look, we've had vaccines in the past. If you, don't, if you don't have a measles vaccine, if you don't have a meningitis vaccine now, you can't go to college. Just mandate the vaccine. Look, you're preaching to the choir about mandating the vaccine. I don't know why some 
some, you know, I think you're going to see more and more of that as more and more companies and, and organizations do require it. Then I think you'll see other businesses and companies feel like, okay, we, we've got cover now. You know, we're not going to look like we're the only ones out there for, you know, forcing people to get vaccinated. So I think that is going to happen. But I'm with you 100% on that. Let me just you know, make... that, that takes care of, of, of the issue pretty much right there. Well, it's not going to take care of the issue of people getting infected because they're getting infected. No, as, no that's, that's not what I mean. Right. But what it does is it completely eliminates probably altogether any chance that a young, fit athlete is going to get sick. The chances are already, if they're unvaccinated, incredibly remote. With the vaccination, they're exponentially remote. So why not mandate it? By the way, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm I'm clear on this. I am definitely pro-choice, but not pro, uh, you know... Uh, choice which leads to no consequence. You can make the choice not to get vaccinated, but if your company or your college or your league says it's a requirement, well, then you're going to have to make the choice to play and get paid a lot of money or not. You know, so continue with your your body, your choice, and nobody needs to shame anybody into this, but they've got a business here. It's a $15 billion top-line business, and players are getting the... Uh, you know, even vaccinated, they're they're getting they're getting COVID. So either stop the testing or mandate the vaccine and stop the testing. One or the other. They're moving on with this season. Nothing's if nothing stopped last season, nothing as far as we know right. is going right. to stop this You're season. Right. The other thing, Tommy, too, is this whole notion that if the FDA actually approves the vaccine, and I think it's been approved for emergency use only, but it hasn't had the full approval yet, that somehow everybody's going to then go get vaccinated. You know, I don't, how many people are actually vaccinated right now? Do we have more than a billion people worldwide vaccinated? I think we do. If not, it's pretty close to a billion worldwide. I'm guessing. I don't know. I'm, I could be way off. Um, but the point is, I don't personally think that if the FDA approves the vaccine, that's everybody's going to come rushing into, you know, vaccine centers to get vaccinated. I don't think most of the people that haven't gotten vaccinated even know that the FDA hasn't approved it yet. Uh, But apparently there's a lot of discussion that the FDA approval would be very helpful against those that are sort of vaccine hesitant. Like a lot of these people who are unvaccinated are waiting for FDA approval. That doesn't make a lot oh, of sense please. to me. Most people, yeah, most people yeah. don't even know the that's, steps involved. That's here. what I think. That's yeah. what I think. You're awfully wound up about it. I can tell that. Well, I, it's like it's. It seems like we are increasing the number of COVID positives, at least as it relates to this, you know, Delta variant. And furthermore, young, fit, professional athletes aren't getting sick, especially those that are vaccinated. So uh, the Nats are a mess right now. They, they are an yeah, absolute try- mess. They, they, they've got this going on while they're trying to figure out who, who to trade and, and how much they can get for them as the trading deadline is just 48 hours away, basically. Um, yeah, the, uh, I was reading, um, 
what's his face passing i guess uh earlier yep, I, th- I think it was passing yeah. whatever um apparently scherzer will approve any trade to west coast teams that are pursuing him that are in the race but he's ruled out philly and houston as destinations he has this veto right using his they call it 10 and 5 rights 10 years of service five. 5 with the same team right that's what it is right yes it is okay uh so well the, let's see he doesn't want he doesn't want to go play for Houston cuz he doesn't want to play with a bunch of cheaters. cheaters and he doesn't want to go play for Philly cuz he doesn't want to play with Bryce Harper do you think that's the reason no i don't know i'm just throwing oh, that out yeah. there i mean the Houston thing would seem obvious to me um, you know, uh, Galdi was on the podcast with me yesterday and, you know, we were going through a lot of this stuff. And for those of you that listened and liked it, I appreciate it. Also, um, he, he just, he had, we had a bad phone thing, which is why we had to end it early, but we were pretty much done anyway. But anyway, um, if you miss that, you can go back and listen to it, uh, in, uh, just, uh, uh yesterday's show. Um, what was I going to say again? I'm all over the place this morning. I've been up uh, early and About had multiple further? cups of coffee. Oh, um, About so yeah, so Scherzer, Scherzer, Mike Rizzo apparently said that because of these ten five rights, we've got to get a deal prior to the four p.m. deadline tomorrow to work out the no trade, you know, ability. And I said to Galdi, why can't they just work that out now and just say, Max, tell us where you won't go, and we won't talk to those teams. I mean, I'm sure he'd be willing to tell them up front. My point being is you don't, in a situation like this, I, I would think, I could be wrong, but I would imagine that with somebody like Scherzer, these are deadline deals most times. And they're deadline deals because if you're in Rizzo's position, you want to wait to see this thing heat up. You want the pressure of a deadline to force somebody's hand on the best possible offer. And it just seems to me that the Nats would benefit from being able to walk this up to, you know, close to the deadline. So just find out which teams he won't accept a trade to and don't talk to those teams. Tell them they're out. Um, or or don't tell them they're out, but understand that they're not going to th- win this, you know, ultimately. And if you have to take a lesser deal from L.A. or San Francisco or San Diego, you do that. Um, you know, part of me, I mean, I don't want to see Max Scherzer go. I want to see him be a national, and I want to see him pitch yeah, in a wild card game or in a playoff game or whatever because that was so exciting. But if he do- if he does go anywhere – I kind of would like to see him in that National League West race and healthy for it because that really is one of – I mean, Tommy, you've got three – the third-place team is 14 games over 500. That is a hell of a race. They have the three highest run differentials in the National League, all in one division. But um, as far as which team, I don't know. I'm sort of rooting for San Diego. I don't know why. Like to see the Padres. I don't know why either. Because that team, that, that town's really taken it on the chin in recent years. Lost their football team. Oh, come team. on. It's such a great town. Yeah, but it, it's San Diego. Life is never bad in <laughs> That's San Diego. It's true. It's, it can't ever be bad there. Right. Um, I The most beautiful weather in our country is San Diego weather year-round. Yes. 
Uh, you want to get to some Washington football talk, or do you have anything more on the Nats and what you think is going to happen and who you would trade and who you wouldn't trade? And Strasburg. No, I think the truth. Huh? And Strasburg, Galdi said that this could be essentially a career-ending injury. Yeah, I mean, he's having uh, serious surgery, and uh, he's 33 years old. Uh, you know, he's except for that World Series run for the past couple years, it's been one, uh, you know, malady after another with him. Oh, and it's yeah. got to be taking its toll over the years as he gets older. And that $245 million contract uh, extension that the Nats signed him to, I know we said, and I'm not going to back away from, you know, if it gave them a World Series, then a championship, which you could argue it did, then it was worth it. But still, I mean, if, he, if, he, if, he, if his career would be over, that would go down as probably maybe the all-time worst contract in history. Well, that's what Galdi was saying. By the way, that that last extension, seven years, 265, was it? I, I, I think it was 265 million, came after the World Series. Yes. So they haven't gotten anything from him since. Now, last year obviously yeah. was, you know. Um, I, boy, you know, I, I really like Steven Strasburg. Like, I... I like him more than Max Scherzer, and I've wanted him to be healthy, and I've wanted to see him have a dominant Cy Young type of regular season into a postseason. You know, it was the game four at Wrigley that really sold me. Remember, he was, you know, apparently he had uh, allergies or the sniffles, and uh, who knows, yeah. maybe he had the twisties, and he was going to back out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and there was all that discussion, and, 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 and Dusty sort of publicly put some pressure on him a little bit, and then he showed up and he was dominant. And then there was nothing, nothing in the postseason. I mean, there were a lot of moments in the postseason, but game six in Houston down 3-2 facing elimination was an all-time clutch performance by by Strasburg. And he was so great that night. I, I just... Those final two games were so incredible, but that game six facing elimination... Um, he's had almost two Hall of Fame postseason performances. You know, he's been great as a playoff pitcher. I just wish that he could have had more health during his career, and it would really suck if this really is an injury, as, as Galdi described, that, that there's no example of anybody coming back and being 100% afterwards. He said that this is the injury that Matt Harvey had and the surgery that Matt Harvey had. Um, and he's never been the same, although he pitched really well last Saturday night against the Nats. But um, that would yeah, suck but here's for the, here's him. Here's one of the differences between Matt Harvey and uh, Strasburg. Strasburg plays for an organization that won't rush him back. The Mets basically, mm-hmm. you know, they, they ignored and they laughed at the Strasburg shutdown when they brought Harvey back from his uh, from his Tommy John surgery, and I think that contributed to uh, his his issues. Uh, look, if this is I don't want to start saying if this is Steven Strasburg has given Washington National fans a tremendous amount of great moments over the years. As frustrating as he has I been, know. there have been so many times 
where we've watched so, some remarkable, remarkable performance from the first day he ever pitched well, for the, the team. Oh, yeah, 14 strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, all-time. Yeah. All-time debut. So, I mean, I, I think, I, I mean, you know, he should always be celebrated for, by Washington National fans for, you know, for the chance to watch him pitch. Uh, it's just been so frustrating because, like you said, uh, he should be a perennial Cy Young contender. Yeah. Given his talent. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's get to some Washington football team stuff. Uh, and then I will uh, finish up the podcast today with uh, just a couple of players in the NBA draft that I really like that I hope the Wizards are able to pick. Uh, we'll, the NBA draft, Tommy, is tonight. I bet you you didn't even know that, did you? When you were having that conversation on the beach with all those non-sports fans, if somebody had walked by you and said, hey, Tommy, what do you think about tomorrow night? You would have said, what's tomorrow night? Well, it's tonight, the let NBA me, draft. You know what? <laughs> let me just explain something to you right here. What? Who was the first person in this town to tell you who the Wizards were, were drafting? Uh... Was it, was it no? It was two years ago. No, it was <laughs> two years ago. Who? What are you talking about? It was me. What did you tell? Louis Hachimura. I was the first one to report that. I don't remember that, but I will. I'm not going. Well, I'm, that's it. I don't. I, I honestly don't remember that. I really don't. Well, that's a that's a fact. Okay. Usually, I remember all of your hits. There's so few of them. More on the so Washington. Don't tell me I didn't know the NBA draft was going on. I may tell you again who the Wizards are going to pick before anyone All else. Right. Well, we'll do that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, some Washington football talk right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Decent crowd in Richmond yesterday, Tommy. Um, an estimate of about 2,000 people for the first day of training camp. That's not bad. We've seen some years here recently where literally nobody 
showed up. I mean, you could count the number of people on, you know, four or five hands that showed up even for the first day. Um, but uh, those that are down there, and boy, am I glad I'm not. <laughs> I do not miss <laughs> being in Richmond for these days at all. Uh, the radio station didn't send anybody um, down there, uh, which is fine. Um, and look, doing the morning show, you know, it's typical that when the show is over, players aren't even there yet. And so we always had those issues right. with the morning show. You and I did a number of shows down there in the first, you know, few days of training camp. We had some fun in Richmond, um, you know, when we were down there. And it was fun to be around. Well, I think you, you and I could have fun anywhere. Let's face it. Yeah, we, we had some fun. And, you know, it was always fun to be around some of the other people you know, in our media, you know, we talk to these people yes. all the time. We don't necessarily see all of those people and rarely is everybody in one spot at the same time. And I'm not just talking about beat reporters. I'm talking about beat reporters and columnists and talk show hosts and TV people. And for the beginning of training camp, you know, there was that stretch where virtually everybody would be there. And, and as the flagship for the football team, we were always not only there, but I think we were required to be there of course we never had we never had the flagship treatment necessarily one of my favorite things about the beginning of training camp over, over the last several years when we would be down there is they literally I'm sure I've said this before and look whatever sour grapes whiner whatever you want to call me I'm just trying to illustrate for you or draw the picture for you of what the relationship with the team was like in the radio station. It was massively um, one-sided and, and confrontational and, and really antagonistic at times. But literally, we had the worst location of any media outlet covering <laughs> training camp. We were like in a tent, the furthest away from the actual practice field. And the only thing that we could see was players walking from the building out to the field. Couldn't even see them make it to the field because the field was so far away. And yet, yeah. other competitors, competing media groups, they were up on the hill overlooking the field. We, we would just say, what are you doing to us? And they would say, oh, we, we have to have you back here. This is where you're going to be. Um, although remember our good friend, Big Al, who hosted the Richmond morning show for the station that also Red Zebra owned, they loved that station yeah. for some reason. And he had the best spot in the whole joint. Anyway, um, it was always fun to be down there. You know, there, there are several stories, but I'm just going to share one because it just makes me laugh every time I think about it. We left our show. You and I were going to go get lunch or something. We were, we were going back to the hotel, then we were going to go meet for lunch or something. I, I think I know what you're going to say. Does it involve Chris Russell? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you called me and you said, are you listening to this right now? And I go, no, what? Our Richmond station would carry our midday uh, show, which was after hours, and Russell was doing, I guess, like when our show was over, Russell was doing like a noon lunch show from 12 to 1 or something like that during training camp. And then Doc and Coach and Brian, you know, got essentially a shorter show in the afternoon because Russell would do like training camp live or whatever. And it would appear. Uh, it would it would be aired in you know on on 980 in DC, but also on our Richmond station. 
And so you said, you've got to turn it on. You've got to turn it on. And so I turned it on. And you said Russell was already in like the third segment of breaking down the backup punter and backup kickers. <laughs> that was it, right? That's what I, that it was. Yeah. Is that what you thought it was? You could not believe how unbelievable Russell was and how incredible he was to carry on for nearly an hour on the backup punters and kickers that were in camp. I think that was the show where we got the famous clip, uh, Watch Out, Broderick Muckleroy. <laughs> what was that? Why, I, I, Remember? I re- the Stern used to play it all the time. I know. What was it? Uh, no, it I... was some, some backup linebacker that the Met, that uh, the the uh, Washington football team had, and uh, we can say Redskins. It was the Redskins Roderick McElroy. I do remember Roderick yeah. McElroy. And Russell did thirty minutes on Broderick uh, McElroy. Yeah, and uh, we use that sound bite on our show a lot. <laughs> he didn't make the team, obviously. Um, no, look out for Roderick McElroy. Yeah. Well, I I said yesterday on the podcast, Tommy, I. I, I, there is a market for this. And by the way, we, we say this about Chris Russell with honestly a lot of love and admiration because we like Chris a lot. Chris, though, could go on and on. And by the way, Doc was great at that, too. Doc was great at breaking down, you know, number 80 through 90 in camp, the guys that had no chance of making the team, but he thought should be on the team because, well, we lost with the people we had last year. Why don't we try (laughs) some new ones? So that was always part of Doc's act, you know, in training camp. Um, but I, I was talking yesterday about training camp. I, there is honestly um, a market for the tweeting out of, you know, Taylor Heineke throwing an out pattern to, to, to Steven Sims Jr. And Sims Jr. getting both feet down in bounds before he gets out of bounds with no defense out there. And we get that from all the people on the beat. And I love all the people on the beat. And there, there's clearly an audience for this. But I promise you, after many years of going to training camp and being there for training camp, none of this stuff, none of this stuff really matters. Now, there is stuff that the team is getting from all of this, and clearly if there's a major injury, that, that's big news. Um, and, you know, some of the things you may learn from watching who's out there with the first team and who's going out there with the second team, but... You know, at this point, Isaiah Wright, you know, um, doing a two-step on the sideline in the corner of the end zone on a lob pass from Kyle Allen, it's just, it's not important at all. The NFL is truly, and most of these sports are this way, but the NFL is the ultimate, and you don't know anything until they start playing real games. You just don't, and you rarely even know much in the first quarter of the season about a team. Um, but anyway, uh, I do not miss. I was waiting for that call over the last you know month. Hey, um, we're going to want you to go down for the beginning of training camp. 
I had already taken these days off, by the way, for the move. I don't know how that would have right. worked out. Um, you know, we're going to want you to do the show just for the first two or three days of training camp. And look, it's it's always fun to be down there and hang out with everybody and drink beers at night and, you know, get back and figure out what we're going to do about five minutes before the show begins um, <laughs> and see if, you know, the football team will actually provide us with you know, any guests, um, which were always a challenge. But uh, anyway, uh, look, the, 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 the football season – starts on September 12th for this team. That's when you'll start to know. The preseason games, uh, you know, they're not for me. I have to watch them, um, and we got to talk about them. And maybe, you know, a three-game preseason will be more revealing of something. I don't know. I guess time will tell on that. But, man, the NFL is the ultimate of you don't know shit until the actual games, real games, with real game plans and a real attention to, all right, this is the real deal, until they begin. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you're, and, ab- you're absolutely right about that. Preseason football is, is more phony than professional wrestling. Yeah. Now, I think that there are a lot of cool stories about players and coaches and situations that – you know, a lot of the reporters that are down there, you know, and columnists you get, and, and some of them can be really interesting. Um, and many times they're about players that aren't going to play in the opener because they're not actually going to be on the roster on September 12th. You know, I, 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 I can't quantify any of this. I really can't. There's clearly an audience for all of it. But, you know, and maybe it's just my group of people that I know that are still into the team they don't pay attention to any of this. They don't pay attention to any of the preseason stuff or the training camp stuff. It's all about, you know, I, you know, right now I'm playing golf, I'm at the beach, you know, I'm working, but I can't wait for that opener against the Chargers. Or I can't wait, you know, I can't wait, wait for I, the – Yeah. Look, I think there is a big market for it. I don't know how big it is. I think it's very okay, inside. I think there is. Um, but – uh. I can tell you this, over the years, I do know in our format um, what, you know, training camp looks like compared to, um, let's just say, a, you know, a a day in June, in mid-June. It's not that much different. Now, where it is different, Tommy, is there is more advertising interest in these shows and in this content once once you have like players on the field doing something, you know, once training camp begins, and so that's important for these businesses. But really, the 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 real um, the real audience, the real high season, if you will, is you know the day after Labor Day through the Super Bowl. At least in what we do, you know, for you yeah. maybe it's different, but in talk radio um anyway um that's that that's the high season um so you wanted to say something about chase young well chase young did an interview with jt finley of nbc sports washington and wanted and you know jt asked him about you know the vaccine uh not whether he got it or not because uh young did offer that but he asked, but, you know, they talked about the vaccine, Washington football being the lowest team vaccination rate of any team in the NFL. And Chase Young said, I feel like it's a personal choice. I don't doubt a guy if he gets it or if he doesn't get it. I feel like it's just a personal choice 
like every other vaccine. Mm-hmm. Well, other vaccines. Well, let me just. Well, hold on. Uh, let me correct him. I, I think, I think I'm right about this. There are certain vaccines that are required. Yes, of course there are. Yeah. So, not every vaccine is a choice, right? No. The government. That's absolutely. Yeah. And why? Why is this so hard for some people to understand? Which vaccines are? not are, are required like you know mumps oh, measles know. rubella me uh no well there, there, there are certain vaccines that don't you have to get like in the first you know yes here i'm looking that up that's actually vaccines that are required what are the vaccines that are required my my face young's interview mm-hmm. and ron rivera expressing his frustration at his inability to convince his players to get the vaccine prompted me to say that, offer some advice to Ron Rivera. And that is, if you're a captain of this team and you're not vaccinated, you're not a captain anymore. That's your suggestion? You can't be a leader of this team. and You can't be a leader of this team and the leader is basically an extension of the coach mm-hmm. in most cases. And not being an advocate for the vaccine. And we've talked about, you and I have talked repeatedly about the, the, the competitive disadvantage you potentially put your team at with so many players unvaccinated. You know, it's a bigger issue than just you. And if, if that's the way you feel, how can you be a team captain? For, um, let me just mention real quickly, vaccines are mandated before you can go to schools. Like, I guess you could theoretically keep your, you know, child, if you're an anti-vaxxer, away from public schools or private schools or any school. But you have to have, you know, measles, mumps, rubella, um, you know, chicken pox, polio. Um, There's a whole list of them that are, you know, essentially required. They're not choice. Look, I I don't know what the answer is with respect to Chase Young, but I, I would just suggest, like, you know, I, these aren't – I'm not – my expectations of athletes when it comes to um, issues that, you know, are either complex or maybe, you know, less complex, and I don't put a lot of complexity on this one, um, but I, I, my, my expectations that they're going to be completely informed or, or not super high – I think, you know, of course he has a personal choice. The problem is, is in his environment, he can't stay home with his personal choice. His personal choice potentially endangers someone else, you know, like his head coach who's immune deficient. So, um, and he's in a business where they, the probability of you having a competitive disadvantage is higher with lower vaccination rates, which they have. They have the lowest in the league as of two days ago. I don't know where they are now, but 40% of the team hadn't even gotten their first shot yet. Um, again, back to you know the beginning. I, I would just mandate these. You don't look, you have a choice. Uh, get the vaccine and you can play in the NFL. Don't get the vaccine and you can't. Once you get it and you're fully vaccinated, you can play. And then I wouldn't test. And then at that point, I wouldn't test. Um, okay. 
But my, but you know, we we're saying that the the league probably can't do that because of the union. Well, I don't know. Well, you could work with but the union to, to make that happen, but I guess right. the players yeah, would have I to say, obviously. I, I, but one one way Long Rivera could exert pressure mm-hmm. is say, you know, you can't be a leader on this team, a captain on this team, and not be vaccinated. Well, this gets to the conversation. He's not going to do that. Doesn't this sort of get to the conversation that I think we had on the podcast two days ago, or maybe we didn't? Um, and that is that, you know, um, does this low vaccination rate coupled with Ron Rivera's outward frustration, which actually, Tommy, happened, I think, after the podcast. I forget if we talked about this the other day. But is it potentially a team-dividing issue? What you're suggesting, if Ron Rivera said, you can't be a captain unless you're vaccinated. I need my leaders on this team to be pushing people, not shaming people, okay, not, you know, being hypercritical of people. I'm against that. But saying, look, we're in a business where we're going to, we're trying to win a Super Bowl. That's the goal. We're trying to win as many games as we can. And we are at a competitive disadvantage if we don't have a higher vaccination rate. So, yeah, there's some internal pressure here to get some back. You know, if you don't, we're not going to shame you. And by the way, if you're a star, you're not going to get cut. But I can tell you this if you're on the bubble of making the team or not making the team, you're not making the team. We're taking the vaccinated player. And I'm talking about if you're a team leader. But would this threaten to divide the team if Rivera went down that path? Already, some people believe that his frustration and disappointing um, comments or him expressing disappointment and frustration the other day is already something that could, you know, divide the team. But, you know, Chase Young apparently is saying, coach, you know, coach has totally opened us making our own choices, I guess is what you're saying he said with JP. That's what he said. I guess he wasn't listening to Ron Rivera at the time. He must have been watching a Family Feud episode or something like that. (laughs) Well... (laughs) <laughs> he must have been working out in Miami by himself. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it on some level, I'm just posing. I'm just. I'm just asking the question here. If you have the lowest vaccination rate of any team in the league. Aren't you a little bit concerned about the overall intellect of your team? And don't higher intellect teams maybe also have a competitive advantage over lower intellect teams? Like, I I just, I want my team to be really talented and really good, and this is the best roster this franchise has had in a long time. I also want it to be really smart and really with it, and for, this is... Well, they seem to be... They seem to be a little limited, as I like to say. Either that or, you know, they're believers that they got COVID and they've got the antibodies and they want to wait. Although, again, yesterday's information from the CDC was even those that have gotten COVID um, and have built up the antibodies, they need um, they need the vaccine. I, but, you know, I'm again... Trust me, I've been following all this, and I've been reading it and living it like all of you have. I understand that that information could change in a week. (sighs) A couple of other things about training camp uh, I thought were interesting. 
Uh, Landon Collins is ready to go. Yep. Uh, I think that that's obviously good news. Uh, and there doesn't appear to be any quarterback competition to speak of. No, there's not going to be. Okay. There's not going to be. I think the more interesting thing will be, and I asked Ron Rivera this when I had him on the show, uh, you know, because I did ask him why did he completely, you know, omit Kyle Allen from any conversation coming off OTAs. And he said, no, 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 it, it wasn't intentional. Kyle's, you know, right in the mix. Um, he's going to compete. And I said, and he goes, Kyle, well, you know, essentially imply that Kyle wasn't completely 100%, but he is now. Um, I think that, you know, if you're interested in a backup quarterback battle, and we typically are in this town, that's what we're going to be watching for. You know, who takes the second team reps, who gets into the game in the preseason games in the second quarter and the first one and the second one and then the third quarter, you know, in the last one or what, however they play out the preseason. That's going to be the interesting thing. It, 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 I don't know. It seems to me that people believe that Taylor Heineke is the front runner to be the backup. I know a lot of our fans are hoping that Taylor Heineke is the front runner to be the backup. Um, to Ryan Fitzpatrick, but um, I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if Kyle Allen ends up being the backup. None of that Look, would surprise you could, me. You could argue that the whole quarterback position for this team is just one big backup quarterback battle. You okay. could argue that, but I wouldn't. Ryan Fitzpatrick okay. is a starter. He's a starter in this league, and you know if you want to say he's a bottom third starter, that's fine, but he's not a bottom quarter starter. You know, he's in that 20 range, 21 range, worst case. Go through the list. There are still in this league a lot of teams with major quarterback question marks or issues. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is, you know, worst case, a guy that fits in there in the low 20s, you know, or around 20, somewhere around there. Now, is that good enough? No, I I want my guy to have the the seasons that he's had the last two years, which would then put him in the top half of the league in quarterback play. If you get that from Ryan Fitzpatrick this year, then you've got a chance to have a really good season or be a much better football team, much better. I'm hoping for that, but I think the downside, honestly, unless he falls off a cliff at 38 years old, which is always possible, I think the downside is, you know, an upgrade from last year, and he's somewhere, you know, between 19 and 23 in terms of the rankings of starting quarterbacks. Boy, that's awfully optimistic. I think the odds would say that falling off a cliff is more likely. I don't know why you would say that with him, you know, last year having one of the best seasons of his career and the year before playing really high-level football. Or higher level football. Well, because he's thirty eight years old. I understand that, but you you may have been the one to say that before last year, thirty seven, and he didn't fall off. He actually, right. he actually I, I know yeah. that. So how many times can he keep beating the odds? I don't know. Brady keeps beating him. Rogers keeps beating him. Well, there you go. <laughs> There's the Brady list. Rogers and Brady <laughs> no, Rogers and Ryan Fitzpatrick. He, he, he I should have known. He could he could be Breeze. You're right, and Breeze really did fall off last year. But wasn't Breeze 40 last year? Yes. I think he was. Um, 
what else is interesting from day one? I don't know. I'm I'm trying to follow, you know, all of the, the, the guys on the beat, Ben and JP and John and Nikki to see if anything's going on out there today. Um, but again, most of this stuff really, really not that significant. I think um oh, I wanted to mention, in addition to like this time of year, obviously injuries, obviously some, you know, um depth chart, you know, uh insight. But a lot of these interviews, you know, when the coach speaks at the end of these, I like listening to those because I think that's where you can learn some stuff after they're sitting there watching these guys day in and day out. And then, you know, you can start to to, to learn um, about some of the guys. Like last year at this time, even though there wasn't a training camp, all we kept hearing was Kevin Pierre-Lewis, KPL. How many times did we hear KPL's name before a game was ever played? There was something about this dude when they started to practice that they loved. And we saw, you know, him play well at times, but saw him a big part of the team last year. So I think a lot of that stuff, you know, is important. So when you hear these interviews, whether it's in our format or JP doing it on NBC Sports or, you know, Ben doing it, you know, as part of a, a Zoom call with with all the beat people, I think that there's, you know, stuff that you can take out of that. I mean, last year, uh, that K- KPL, we kept hearing KPL's name. Boy, they loved themselves some Kevin Pierre-Lewis last year. And, by the way, they also really liked Logan Thomas. We were hearing that name a lot early on. So those are some of the things um, to focus on. I asked Ron Rivera about some of those players. I think he really likes Cameron Curl. Um, I think that he is um, uh, very excited to see the competition at the wide receiver position. I think they feel... Look, one of the things, Tommy, you can say about this team, you can say they really did a good job in the offseason at addressing their perceived weaknesses or their real weaknesses. Not enough playmakers on offense, they went out and got some. Not enough offensive linemen or depth, they went out and got some. No good linebacker play, they went out and drafted one. Need another corner and another DB, they addressed that. So hopefully they made the right choices with these players, um, but they uh, they they recognized what they needed, and they and and that's what's going to be fun to see what Diami Brown yeah. looks like. No, you're Just, right. You know, you know, Curtis Samuel. You're right. They did do that. I mean, they had a checklist, and they managed to to uh, check everything off. The right. question is the judging of the talent. Right, because this time of year. And I, I love when I run into somebody and they're like, so how great is Jamin Davis going to be? Well, I don't have any idea. I mean, he was picked in the first round, and obviously they like him and they have a need, and the good thing about this particular player is he fills a need, so you're going to know a lot about Jamin Davis and what they think of him early because if he's not out there a lot, well, it's a big disappointment. You know, because there was a need for him. Um, If he is out there a lot, part of it could be need, but part of it could be because they really like him, and then we'll judge him based on the games he plays. You know, but it's really hard with young players to really know. Like, it's not out of the realm that a lot of the discussion around players like Deami Brown and Jamin Davis and Sam Cosme and and Ben St. Just, that 
not Jamin Davis and probably not Deami Brown, but somebody may end up getting cut that you were like, who was the guy last year? And he wasn't um, Randy Moss's son. Now he was not drafted, but a lot Thaddeus Moss. Thaddeus Moss. A lot of people in our fan base had him as a potential, you know, rookie of the year candidate in in August or in July or in April. So the way these things play out is um, not always what you expect. That's why, like taking guesses, I think Khalid Hudson in year two is a real name to watch, and I. I really believe that if you sort of connect the dots, his his snaps at the end of last year to some of the things that have been said about him, they really think he is a find. You know, just like Cam Curl was a find. Um, I think they really feel that way about him. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I could be I could be wrong. Um, anyway. What else? Uh, let's get to our NBA Wizards uh, guesses, and I'll give you a couple of players in this draft that I really like. Uh, that's next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. All right, the NBA draft is tonight. All of the reporting indicates the Wizards aren't going to make any big moves with like Beal or Westbrook or anybody else. They have been... Um, in some rumors and reports um, as a, poss- a possible destination for Ben Simmons, um, which uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I've, there's been a lot yeah. that's been reported about Ben Simmons and his coachability after the playoffs, which is, I think is one of the reasons Philadelphia wants to move on from him. Um, but let's focus on the draft. Um, Tommy, is going to give you hit. I want. I want to hear who you think. No, I'm the, not. No, no. What? No, I'm not. What do you mean you're not? You're not. I'm what? not. I just said that two years ago that I was the first guy to report that uh, they were going to draft Rui Hachimura. Did you not tease no about thirty minutes gonna... ago that you were going to have? A, you might have the Wizards pick for tonight too. You teased that, was... I, but but not but not now. Uh, so you 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 didn't ever that was just a fake tease. I said no, it was a tease that could legitimately happen okay. minutes before the draft. Okay. Um, I have some favorite players in this draft, and if you've been listening to me through college through the college basketball season, you probably already uh, can guess a couple of them. Davion Mitchell was one of my favorite college basketball players last year, and I think he's going to be a really, really good NBA player. Davion Mitchell was one of the, if not the, best defensive guard in the country who can also score, shoot it. He is everything and just 100% energy, relentless, competitive type. He's the guy that was really a big part of leading Baylor to that national championship win, to the national championship and the national championship win when they beat down Gonzaga in the final. I would love Davion Mitchell to be there at 15 when the Wizards pick. I would be shocked if he is. 
I would be really surprised if he is. Um, but he's the kind of guy that I think would fit in perfectly. You would have two insanely competitive guys on the same team with Russell Westbrook still there. Um, I love Davion Mitchell. To me, I don't know why he isn't, you know, a consensus top 10 or higher pick. He's been projected really in the 10 to 15 range. So, you know, it's possible he could be there uh, at 15, uh, but I would be shocked. Another player I like, and I know what all of you will say, because I've said it once before and I've seen what some of you have said about his age, but I love Chris Duarte from Oregon. The problem is, according to many of you, he's 24 years old, and you can't draft players that are that old. Okay, well, I'm sure there's a lot of data that suggests that you can't draft players that old. I love Duarte. I love everything about him. He's a scorer, and he's a shooter. He's also another high-energy guy with really good length, a guy that can really lock down when he wants to, and a guy who sort of played in a system um, that was sort of NBA um, ready uh, or NBA-like. He is NBA-ready. He helps you, in my opinion, day one. Like, I think a, a team like Golden State who picks right before the Wizards pick and they're trying to contend next year. Maybe they're the team that says, we don't care how old Chris Duarte is at 24. He's ready to contribute right away, and we take him. But I love him as a player. I also really like, but I think I would be not at the same level as Mitchell and um, and Duarte. But the first time I saw Franz Wagner play last year was in that December 31st New Year's Eve game at Maryland when Hunter Dickinson was taunting Mark Turgeon from the floor. Um, and it started that Michigan-Maryland thing, that Hunter Dickinson-Mark Turgeon thing last year. And Wagner was incredible in that game. And I watched that game and I remember saying to, I think, two of my boys who were with me and to a, a couple of friends, lottery pick and it's not even you know a conversation and he I don't even think was a projected first rounder um, at the time and I think he is going to be a lottery pick and I think he'll probably be gone by the time the Wizards choose he's young he's got to get physically stronger um, but he could defend with with his length he can really shoot it he can really pass it He's a six, you know, a six foot ten, do everything kind of player, um, and certainly a guy that can really stretch it uh, at the NBA level. But then, as you're flying by him, can go by you and dunk on you or make the right play. Um, I think, you know, based on all of the mocks, he's going to go before fifteen. Um, but those are the three players I really like. I'm not super high on Corey Kispert, who I know a lot of you think should be the wizard selection because of his shooting ability. Um, uh, and um, and I'm and I do like Jared Butler, you know, as a future you know point guard out of Baylor. I like Suggs more out of Gonzaga. I love Suggs. Oh, let me give you one other player. I love Io DeSumo from Illinois. Like I think he's going to be a really, um, a really good player. He does, um, you know, have some turnover issues at times, an inconsistent shooter, but a super high energy um, player again who will get after it defensively. And um, I like his ability as well. And I think he would be there for the Wizards. I think he'd be there for the Wizards. 
uh, at 15. He may go a, a little bit later. Uh, and then some of you may want to know uh, about um, what I think about Aaron Wiggins. Look, I think Aaron Wiggins has a chance to be a future you know, NBA wing. I do. Um, I don't know if he's going to get p- picked in this draft or not. I've seen more mock drafts with Aaron Wiggins now mid to late second round. I hope for his sake he gets drafted and gets at least you know some sort of commitment on a, on a two-way um, because I would hate for him to to have made this decision and be left out. Now sometimes it's better not to get drafted at all. You know, if you're not going to get picked in the first round with guaranteed money, sometimes it's better to not get picked in the second round if you're not going to get a guaranteed deal because then you can pick the right situation for you. Um, I don't know if he'll he'll get drafted. I really don't. You know, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where Luca Garza goes in this draft. It, it's going to be in the second round, but man, I think he can play in the NBA. He is totally a, a center that can stretch and shoot threes and be a hard guard um, in the league offensively. Um, uh, I think I look. That, there is a guy who I saw play in person. I think he can play in the NBA as well. Yeah. I, oh, I'll give you another guy. I love Isaiah. Um, I, I love Livers from Virg- uh, from Michigan. Um, I think that he's going to be a guy that can really knock down shots um, at the NBA level. Um, I guess that's it. I mean, I'm looking through uh, a mock now to see who I missed. I really love Davion Mitchell. I think he's a future, you know, NBA All Star and a guy that you would want on a team that's going to contend. Um, and I love Duarte, too. And Duarte might be a better fit for a team that's ready to win right now. But, you know, the Wizards, you throw him in there. If it is Westbrook and Beal again and Hachimura, I think Duarte plays and plays early. Um, he is another guy who's fearless. The guys that I don't like, the guy that's blowing up right now, and a lot of people have him now well inside the top ten, is Book Knight from UConn. I don't get it. I watched him enough. I watched him against Maryland um, when Maryland beat them in the tournament, and Daryl Morcell completely, you know, uh, harassed him to no end. Um, I don't see it with him, but you know, a lot of this stuff really ends up being fits and and coaches and you know where you know where they can get an opportunity. Um, anyway, uh, the NBA draft is. The, the the NBA draft, Tommy, for as much pub as it gets, literally every draft produces a handful of players that end up being yeah. significant contributors. It's not the NFL draft. You know, within no, four, not within, by any within four years, most of the guys in the first round will not be in the league. You know, that's just the truth of it. I'm, I'm going to look it up right now to see NBA draft like four years ago, um, which would have been 2017 NBA draft. Let's just see. Um, well, Fultz is still in the league. Ball's still in the league. Tatum's still in the league. Jackson Fox. Uh, Kuzma's at the end. Hart. Derek White, where is he? Swanigan, is he in the NBA anymore? He was a first-round pick. Leiden. Um, yeah, a, a lot of these guys. And then, you know, and then you go to the second round, and you've got guys that are still in the league, like Monty Morris was the 51st pick. From uh, out of Iowa State, you know, nearly didn't get picked. Man, he's developed into a shooter. Uh, Dylan Brooks, forty fifth overall um, in the uh, in in the draft. So there you go. Um, real crapshoot the NBA draft, especially when you're picking eighteen and nineteen year olds. You got anything else? 
I got nothing else for you today, boss. You don't feel well, and you really manned up, and you made it through this. Um, and, you know, uh, just so everybody knows, you know, he had to cough a couple times, take a break here and there. But I'd much rather have Tommy sick than most of you healthy. Would you have thought more of me if I said I can't, I can't compete with you today? <laughs> I can't go on with you today? No, I would not have, uh, what was the word you used? I would not have canonized you. For, for, okay. You know, I do, I think we have to, every time we do that, we have to say what we've, uh, we've already said. In learning about what Simone Biles was dealing with, she shouldn't have competed. Yes. And in that, in that sport with the yips, I mean, that could have been a serious injury. Um, and, and I'm assuming that she didn't know that she was going to have this. Um, when she got there, and and there was nothing that she could have done to, you know, give the team in advance a better shot at gold medal. Um, but it, it, but yeah, um, uh, no, I I would have I would have probably called you names had you not made it to the show today with the, with the sniffles. Uh, everybody have a great rest of the day. I'll be back tomorrow. Ooh, that's a bingo. <laughs> Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo. You just say bingo. Bingo! How fun!